All right, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's a real honor to have you with us here in our sanctuary. It's a real honor to have you with us online, uh, joining from around the region, and this morning from 15 different states and three different countries. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning, everybody behind me. I apologize for the awful view uh, that you have uh, this morning. Uh, when, when we gather together on Sunday mornings as people of faith, we stand in a tradition that goes back many centuries. When we sing, when we read together, when we pray together, when we break bread together, uh, we join ourselves with the followers of Jesus all around the world and throughout all time. It's a really important thing that we do, and I just want to thank you for being a part of it. We're in the early days of a brand new school year and of a brand new church program year, and we're pushing pause for a couple of Sundays to ask, hey, how are you doing? We're just checking in with ourselves and with each other. Uh, how are you doing? How are you doing really? And I told you last week that based on what I'm hearing and reading, it, uh, I believe the honest answer to that is that we are anxious and angry. A fair amount of research has shown that anxiety levels and anger levels in the United States have been rising for decades, and the last 18 months have just propelled that. And so we're doing a little gut check this morning using two questions that were asked by God of the first human family. In the Bible, the very first question asked by God was to the very first human, Adam, in Genesis chapter 3, where are you? And we looked at that question last Sunday. And today we're going to look at the second big question of God, why are you angry from Genesis 4, uh, 6. Now, you understand that when God asks a question, it is not because God does not know the answer. God is all-knowing. God is omniscient. God knows our thoughts and our motives. God cannot be deceived or manipulated or controlled. When God asks a question, it is usually, to, it's usually an invitation to a deeper relationship or an invitation to deeper thinking. When God asks a question, it is an invitation to deeper relationship and to deeper thinking. Our God is a question-asking God. And then in the New Testament, Jesus takes as his, one of his primary teaching methods the asking of questions. It is striking how often in the New Testament when Jesus is asked a question, he responds with a question is so frustrating and so brilliant. Jesus, the master teacher of life, adopts as his primary teaching strategies the telling of stories and the asking of questions. Where did he get that? He got that from his heavenly father. A well-placed, well-crafted question can help us to see and understand things we've been previously unable to see and understand. And today's question is a phenomenal question. Why are you angry? And I think this is the question that God is asking of you and me today. The question assumes that you are angry, which I think is a, self, is a pretty safe assumption right now. Now, we all know people that are naturally prone to anger, the hotheads among us. But even those of us that are usually calm, cool, and collected, we are operating at a higher level of irritability right now. 
there's kind of a base low-grade anger in the air, and it's in all of us. Most of us are a little angry, even if we can't quite put our finger on why. And today, I want us to wrestle with the why question. Why are you angry? And I believe this singular question is going to save you from a lot of heartache and pain. I believe this question is going to save somebody's life. Now I want to lighten things up a little bit by showing you a clip from one of my favorite movies, The Father of the Bride. It's a funny movie, but it's also a very tender movie about a man who, whose daughter is getting married and all the emotions that go around that. And this guy just can't wrap his mind around the fact that his little girl is all grown up. And I think that's enough of a setup to this. And now uh, let's watch the screens. Nina said, as long as I was escaping, would I mind escaping to the market and picking up something for dinner? Sure, that was all I needed, a busy supermarket. I needed to drive, mellow out, get my mind off the wedding. But mellowing out was not in the cards. Excuse me, sir, what are you doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I want to buy eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns to go with them. But no one sells eight hot dog buns. They only sell 12 hot dog buns. So I end up paying for four buns I don't need. So I am removing the superfluous buns. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but you're going to have to pay for all 12 buns. They're not marked individually. Yeah. You want to know why? Because some big shot over at the Wiener Company got together with some big shot over at the Bun Company and decided to rip off the American public. Because they think the American public is a bunch of trusting nitwits who'll pay for Getting things security. they don't need rather than make a stink. Well, they're not ripping off this nitwit anymore because I'm not paying for one more thing I don't need. George Banks is saying no! Who's George Banks? Me! Uh, why don't we just calm down now, sir? I'll tell you why we don't calm down. Because you're not excited. It takes two people for a we to calm down, doesn't it? Uh, that I don't know, sir. I'm just the assistant manager of a supermarket. But I'll tell you this. If you don't pipe down and pay for those buns, I'm going to call the police. Oh, right. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, right. That's right. Hey, right. Hey, hey, come here. Uh -huh. Come here. Uh -huh. Come here. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. That was the low point. Flipping out over four hot dog buns. All right, this is a great uh, case study. Uh, how did he do at handling his anger? Uh, not so well. And the reason anger is funny is because it produces irrationality, right? A, a conspiracy in the bun industry, uh, it's pretty paranoid. Uh, anger, that word anger can be used for irrational uh, behavior. This word mad uh, can be used for angry. It can also mean insane, right? And, and, and was he really mad at the number of buns? What, what's really going on here? Was he angry at the bun industry? What's he really angry about? He's angry that his daughter is getting married. He's angry that he's getting older. He's angry that he's no longer the number one man in his daughter's life. 
and he directs that anger toward the grocery store staff. This is misdirected anger, and it's a real problem. Happens all the time. Misdirected anger is what lies behind most road rage incidents and most fights on flights. You're not really angry at the guy that cut you off in traffic or the flight attendant who asked you to put your tray table up. You were angry at someone or something when you sat down. And it just triggered. You directed that anger toward a different target, likely toward an easier target. So someone makes you mad at work, but you take it out on your kids. Or you have a fight with your spouse in the morning and you take it out on an employee. Or you watch the news. Anybody find the news makes you a little angry? And then you take it out on your child's teacher or your pastor. <laughs> what was Cain really angry about? Let's look at it again. You heard it read this morning. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. What is Cain really angry about? The Lord looked with favor on his brother's offering, but not on his offering. And we're not told specifically why this is the case. The assumption here, the intimation, is that his brother brought the very best of his flock as an offering, and that Cain maybe brought the worst of his grains and produce that, that maybe Cain had cheaped out, or maybe Cain's uh, heart wasn't in it. Maybe he gave grudgingly instead of gratefully. We don't know the exact details, but what, whatever the case uh, you know, had Abel done anything wrong? Abel just brought his offering. He didn't do anything wrong. Uh, who is Cain really mad at? He's probably mad at God for being so unfair. Maybe Cain is mad at himself. Maybe Cain recognizes that he did not do the offering thing well. Maybe he feels a little guilty for having cheaped out on God. Uh, we don't know. God's, uh, Cain is either angry at God or he's angry at himself, but he takes his anger out on his brother. He directs his anger a different way. Have you ever been mad at yourself but taken it out on somebody else? We do this all the time. Misdirected anger is a problem, especially in a day and time when uh, it's so, there, there's so much to be angry about. Psychologists tell us that anger is a secondary emotion, a secondary emotion, just like there are primary and secondary colors. Secondary colors are made up of a combination of primary colors. Psychologists say that anger is not a primary emotion. It is a secondary emotion. Anger is generally the result of being hurt frustrated or afraid, right? Anger is the result of hurt, frustration, or fear. Sometimes guilt or grief or jealousy, which are kind of subsets of one of these three primary emotions. And so it's helpful to ask, why am I angry? So that we're dealing not with the surface, but with the core root issue. So I want to run through a couple scenarios, and your job is to tell me whether this angry situation comes from hurt, frustration, or fear. It's kind of a quiz uh, scenario, okay? So scenario number one, you're a single person, and you invite somebody out on a date, and they turn you down flat. Uh, they say, no thank you, it's not you, it's me, I just don't find anything attractive about you. <laughs> and you feel anger 
Uh, what lies under your anger? Is it hurt, frustration, or fear? It's hurt, right? Uh, second scenario, you're running late for church. Uh, you're always on time, but the person you're with is always late, and so you're running late, and you have to drive like a maniac, and you got to break a lot of traffic laws, and then you realize the bridge over 275 is closed down, you got to drive four miles out of your way. You get to the parking lot, you walk briskly to the church building, you're like, why is the parking so far from the building? And then you get inside the sanctuary to sit down to hear a message on anger, and you realize you're sitting in the mask-only section, and and a polite usher asks you to move, and you're fuming. What lies underneath your anger? Frustration. And pace of life issues often lead to frustration, which leads to anger. All right, last one. A guy by the name of Ken Davis talks about this, but it's a common experience. A husband and wife are up asleep in bed, and they hear a crashing, thumping noise from downstairs, like someone has broken into the house. Like someone's knocking around in things. And Ken Davis says, according to the U.S. Constitution, whose job is it to go down and check out the situation, the husband or the wife? Yeah, so my wife Angie says to me, do you hear that noise? What's that noise downstairs? And I say, I don't hear anything. <laughs> right? And I have to say it really loud to be heard over all the noise from downstairs. Uh, and then she says, yeah, I, I, it sounds like somebody's down there. There could be a homicidal, axe-wielding maniac downstairs. Go check it out. <laughs> and I go, already then. I'll just go down there in my BVDs and scare them away. And then I remember, I'm, I'm in an egalitarian marriage. We're equals. So I say, you go down and check it out. And then she says, I, I can't go down. I'm in my nightgown and I have no makeup on. <laughs> so we began to get angry with each other. What lies under the anger? Fear, ab absolutely. What was underneath Cain's anger that fateful day? Hurt. Jealousy, which is a form of hurt. He was hurt and it produced an anger. So really helpful to ask, why am I really angry? Not just on the surface, but what's the core issue, the primary emotion that's driving my anger? Let's look back at the story of Cain and draw some other lessons about anger. And lesson number one is this. Anger is a natural human emotion. Remember that Cain and Abel are the first sons of Adam and Eve. We're only a page into the human story, and anger surfaces. We come across this line. We're only a couple pages in. Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Uh, you know, we're only a second generation into the human family, and anger is there. And Cain does not need to be motivated toward anger. In the story of Adam and Eve, you remember there is a third party in the story. There is the serpent. There is Satan who cajoles and woos and manipulates things to lead Adam and Eve to pride. No one had to lead Cain toward anger. He got there all by himself. He didn't need any help at all, and neither do you or me. Cain's face was downcast, right? Human emotions are meant to be expressed, we, we smile when we're happy. We cry when we're sad. We scowl when we're mad. Human emotions weren't meant to be suppressed or hidden. They were meant to be expressed, but they were meant to be expressed in healthy, God-honoring ways. 
One of the classic statements about anger from the Bible comes from the Apostle Paul. He wrote this, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry. It's normal to be angry. It's human to be angry. You're going to get angry. Jesus got angry. Be angry, but do not let your anger lead to destructive behavior against yourself or somebody else. Be angry, but do not sin. A Greek philosopher named Aristotle said uh, more than uh, than 2,000 years ago, anyone can become angry, he said. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, in the right way, this is not easy. And this story shows how not easy it is. Lesson number two, anger is a sign that something is wrong. Anger is a signal that something isn't the way it's supposed to be. Anger stems from our sense of justice. It comes from our right our sense of right and wrong, because there is such a thing as righteous anger. And we're going to see this next week when we get into our study of the minor prophets. And, and I hope uh, that if you've not done so that you'll join a small group for October and November uh, to study the minor prophets. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to help you understand how to read the Bible and apply the Bible. You're going to make some friends. But I got to warn you, the prophets are cranky. They are cranky. They see God's beautiful intent for the world, and they see the sin and folly that exists in the world, and the dissonance bothers them to no end. It's a righteous anger. The problem is that everybody feels their own anger is righteous anger. Everybody feels their own anger is righteous anger when often our own sense of justice is skewed by our own self-centeredness by what feels right or wrong to us. So Cain is angry that God looked with favor upon his brother's offering and not his. And he's, you know, he's thinking, that's not fair. God is supposed to be fair. For Cain, this is a justice issue when really he's behaving like a spoiled child. And sometimes it's hard to see the difference in yourself. In fact, anger can make us feel more righteous. Anger can actually be enjoyable, right? It makes us feel right. Uh, Frederick Buechner wrote this years ago. He said, of the, dev- of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. Anger can be fun to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor the last toothsome morsel, uh, both the, the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. A book written about anger has, has the title, A Bee in the Mouth. It's a great title, Bee in the Mouth, written by Peter Wood. And he writes that one of the sure signs of, of America's problem with anger is the tone of its politics. And uh, he wrote this in that book. For the first time in our political history, declaring absolute hatred for one's opponent has become a sign not of sad excess, but of good character. Your anger increases your sense of rightness. We need to be careful and discerning on this. Anger is a signal that something's not right. 
That's true. Anger is a signal that something is not right. But that something could be something in the world. It could be something with a relationship. It could be something in you. Lesson number three. Anger presents us with an opportunity to do right or wrong. As we have said, anger itself is not right or wrong. It's what we do with it that makes it right or wrong. And we see where it goes wrong in the story of Cain. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. Anger is a part, of our, a part of our fight or flight instinct. When we're angry, our, our adrenaline begins to pump. Our, our pulse gets faster. It prepares us for action to fix the problem that's in front of us. And that can be a really good thing. In 1979, a young man named Marcus Brown, age 18, was killed by a drunk driver on a Florida highway. And his mother, Becky Brown, channeled her grief and pain and anger. Uh, she formed a local coalition of parents who've lost children to drunk driving. And she began a campaign to increase awareness and prevention. And the organization that she founded eventually became known as MAD. M-A-D-D, MAD, which stands for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, right? She took all that anger and she channeled it for good and created an organization that has saved hundreds of thousands of lives. When Jesus arrived at the temple that day and there were money changers in the temple that were ripping off the poor people and were keeping the seekers and worshipers out, he got mad. He drove them out. God's house is for all people. So anger can be a virtue, Anger is how things get done in this world. But unfortunately, when you're angry, you are vulnerable, and sin is crouching at your door. That, that, that phrase from the Bible is a great image of sin. That's what sin does. It crouches where you can't see it, ready to pounce on you. So anger can be directed in positive ways, but be forewarned, anger is ready to pounce. Anger can lead to incredible good, or it can lead to a world of hurt. And this leads us to lesson number four. Mismanaged and misdirected anger, that's what we're talking about today. It's mismanaged anger that's a problem. It's misdirected anger that's a problem. This leads to pain and regret. The story of Cain uh, goes on. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Did killing his brother accomplish anything? No. And we've seen Cain likely isn't even angry at his brother Abel. All he did was increase the pain and heartache. His brother is now dead. His parents are now grieving. And Cain himself was now guilty and more afraid and more isolated than ever before. And he will live out his days east of Eden. And east of Eden becomes this phrase. Because Eden is where God's beautiful intent for humanity is. And Cain will live outside of that. Outside of God's beautiful intent for human life. This is, why, uh, this is why James writes this in the New Testament. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. 
take out your pencil and write this down. Everyone should be, what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This is so, this is so wise. If you're, if you're quick to listen, slow to speak, you will find that you are also slow to become angry. And a lot of you have learned the hard way that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not commit murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Very good rule. Don't murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. What? Anger? Just anger? Most of us are not likely to commit murder when things don't go our way. But there are many non-physical ways to hurt people. I heard a marriage conference speaker say that when people are in conflict, they respond of one of two ways. Maybe you've heard this, one of two ways. You're either a, a rhino or a porcupine. Anybody heard this? You're a rhino or a porcupine when it comes to conflict. Some of you are rhinos. When you, when you have a conflict, this is very aggressive. Rhinos put their, their head down and they charge horn first, leaving a lot of carnage in their wake. And some of you are rhinos. But some of you are more like porcupines or hedgehogs, uh, more passive. Uh, porcupines curl into a ball when they're in conflict with all their spiky quills out there. Now, it's more socially acceptable to be a porcupine, but that's just another way to hurt and control people. Might be interesting lunch conversation for you to go around your table and ask who, have you, who, who's, who are rhinos and who are, who are porcupines. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask uh, one now. How many of you are sitting next to a porcupine? <laughs> How many of you are going to pay for that hand raise one way, shape, or form? You're going to... Uh, we need to learn about our own natural response and healthy ways to direct that. Anger, when it goes unchecked, can lead to abuse, especially in the home. Abuse is defined this way. It's, it's one person in an intimate relationship trying to dominate or control another. That's the definition of abuse. One person in an intimate relationship trying to dominate or to control another. Uh, abuse isn't always physical. And if you are in an abusive relationship, you need to get help or get out or both. You need to get help or get out or get both. And if you're in a situation where you're not safe physically, you need to get out. You need to get to a safe place. And if you don't know who to call, you can call this church, and we will put you in touch with someone who can coach you through your next steps. If only Cain had engaged God in this conversation. When God asked Cain, why are you angry, God was inviting Cain to a deeper relationship and to deeper thinking, and Cain wouldn't have it. Why are you angry, Cain? Cain said nothing. Why are you angry? Talk to God about it. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. With kind and compassionate, uh, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as 
in Christ, God forgave you. At some point, getting rid of your anger is going to involve forgiving somebody. At some point, getting rid of your anger is going to involve forgiveness. And forgiveness is the hardest thing to do. But God modeled it when he forgave you. I don't know what or who might be making you mad these days. I don't know if you're a rhino or a porcupine. But I do know if you're human, you will experience anger. And what you do with that anger will either be helpful or hurtful. It will either be righteous or sinful. Bring it to God first. Talk to God about it. Bring it to Him honestly and completely. Because when we talk with God about this, when we bring our anger to God, we're able to do something good with it. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we bring our anger and hostility and bitterness to the cross. We confess that we have held and nursed grudges, that we have allowed our anger to feed our sense of superiority, that we have looked down on others, that we have not forgiven as you have forgiven us. Give us the wisdom and courage to wrestle with the why question that you posed to Cain long ago. Lead us to deeper thinking and deeper relationship. Help us to be an oasis of sanity in an angry world. This we pray in the name of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.